Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the author incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey everybody! It's another it's another Thursday and another Book Journeys Radio. I am so excited you are all with us today. Uh, we are talking today with Glennis Newton. She is the author of Home Flown: The Lay Mama's Guide to an Empty Nest, and um, you're going to hear a nice little accent because Glennis is with us today from England. I believe are you in England, Glennis? Yes, I'm all the way here. Yes. <laughs> oh, terrific. <laughs> nice, to, nice to have a little international flavor on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Tell us about Home Flown. Well, I wrote, um, I wrote this book um, after my son had left home. Um, basically, I've written all the things that I wished I'd known at the time because I... I kind of thought that it was just a natural progression, which of course it is, but I hadn't actually anticipated the tsunami of different feelings that would that would come across when he when he actually left home. And um, although you know, I was very glad that he's making his way in the world. I also was, you know, your identity as a parent is very much tied up with being a parent, and there is you know, the loss of the person, but there's also a loss of identity at that time as well. Mm. And so who did you who did you write the book for? What was your what was your goal for the reader? Who were you trying to help? Um, really I was sharing my story in the hope that my words would resonate with other mums out there to give us mums a voice. <laughs> we mm, I love that. <laughs> about you know there's a lot of mums out there doing an amazing job and um we should have a voice so so often people write books to their younger self the book that they wish they had when they went through you know whatever the circumstance was what has your experience been like after going through that have you found uh have you found a certain level of peace from writing it, and have you found that you're helping people in the way you wanted to? Yeah, well, what I found was, you know, children leaving home is not an event. It's not a single event. It's a process that actually goes on for many years. And my son first left home seven years ago, and um, he just left again, actually, a couple of weeks ago. And he's your neck of the woods. He's just, he's in Florida. And um, so I think it, it has been very well received by people. I've had some great feedback, but actually the best feedback I've had is from people who, who don't have children, who said it's allowed oh. them to be able to see their parents in a different light. Because when you're a parent, you naturally get to see your parents in a different way. And I think, you know, as if, before you have children or if you don't have children, that perhaps you don't have the opportunity to see your parents in that different light. 
And that's been really interesting. That was something I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that is actually very interesting. So one of the things that we talk about in the author incubator with the authors I work with is that writing a book as a love letter to one specific person seems to many authors like it's a way that it's narrowing uh, that it's narrowing your audience. And so yes. most of my authors have a natural inclination that they want it to be, if they were writing about empty nest syndrome, they'd want to write it as a guide for parents and grandparents and kids and anyone who's dealing with it and to make it as wide as possible. And what I yes. always tell people is you'll actually reach more people if you make it narrow and not even necessarily the people you were expecting to reach. Yeah, so I love that that you sort of found that and really connected with people that weren't even necessarily, you know, the women you were writing the love letters to. Yeah, and um, I do storytelling as well. And one um, evening, I had a chance to tell a story about my son leaving home and how actually our relationship has moved on, as you know, relationships have to if they don't want to get stuck. And these three teenagers were in the audience, and they were so lovely. They just came up and said, thank you so much. We're going to go home and, you know, look at our parents in a different light now. And also with siblings, because the relationships with siblings changes as well, doesn't it? When one leaves home and one's still left at home, they have to form their relationship in a different way, independent of their parents almost. Which um, that's I think the the sibling aspect is quite often overlooked, really in the empty nest thing. And was that something you covered in your book, or something that's more come out in the discussions that have happened around the book? Um, it's something that's come out as I was writing the book, and I was going around to people, kind of I was going around to young people and parents and grandparents and asking their experiences for their words of wisdom. And I guess myself, I didn't miss my siblings when I left home. And my son, I've only got one son. So that wasn't an aspect that had naturally occurred to me. You know, I just thought everybody was glad to see the back of their siblings, but clearly not. (laughs) (laughs) yeah some people you know find it a really difficult transition for some people it might be the first time they've ever had a bedroom on their own and you know had to sleep in a bedroom on their own um you know some people really miss and the whole dynamics of the family change don't they if you take one person out of the equation like one mum was saying that actually she found that she didn't really get on so well with the daughter who was left behind Mm. and she found that she actually preferred the one that had left and and felt really guilty about that. So let's talk about the process of creating your book. So you're going through this empty nest uh, experience yourself. When in that process did you decide to write a book and then how long did it take you to complete it? Um, Well, I was, up until last, the beginning of last year, I was working as a social worker in adoption. And um, I'd always thought 
you know, I've always really enjoyed writing. And I then came across, it's actually an American initiative, the NaNoWriMo. Have you heard of it? Yes. Did you do your book as part of NaNoWriMo? Well, I started, and then I just realized that actually I function in bursts. So NaNoWriMo was perfect for me, and I met all these other people, and, and it just really gave me the inspiration to get words on paper. And then I, I'd been thinking, oh, I'd really love to write a book, but I need, you know, I haven't got the time because I'm working, and I haven't got an office, and I haven't got... Um, a decent computer, and if only I had all of these things, then I'd be able to write a book. But actually, NaNoWriMo, I did it on uh, paper and pen in a cafe around the corner from work in my lunch hour and realized that, actually, if you want to do something, you just get on and do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is quite a relief. Bit of a disappointment as well because there is a bit of me who's thinking, oh, there must be some golden door that I can walk through that's a magic portal to book writing. But actually, it's just a hard slog. <laughs> no, what and I that- find is a lot of people go to writers' workshops and you know read books about writing because that search itself is really satisfying and they subconsciously decide to stay stuck in that search they don't really want a book they want to want a book yes that's so true isn't it it's like the lead up to christmas (laughs) yeah yeah oh my goodness i love that it's exactly it's like oh it's gonna be christmas soon this is fun let's keep decorating (laughs) yeah let's keep wanting it yeah Yeah. and i think um, for me, the um, I've always had this big, ironically, a big fear of being known in any way, shape or form. And that was a big block for me of getting out there. And I had That's to a big get... block for a lot of people, Gwyneth. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you, how you work through that? Because I think that's such an important lesson for every author. Oh, that's very comforting. Mm. Well, um... I just wrote, the first time I wrote the book, I realized I wrote what I needed to write for me. And then I rewrote it, and and it was kind of um, edited, really. And then I was starting to give it away. And then by the fourth time I wrote it, I had given it away. And that was an important thing to totally detach myself from the book, that it didn't belong to me. It belonged to everybody else out there rather wow. than and that's a long process the the thing of actually letting go of it completely took probably a year to genuinely what was your because you you've mentioned and i and i should tell everybody your website is glennisnewton.co.uk and I, yes. I'm the one with the accent here, so I'm going to say this a little slower. It's Glennis, which is G-L-E-N-Y-S, and then yes. Newton, N-E-W-T-O-N, dot co dot U-K. So I noticed on your website, and you mentioned that you're a storyteller. Yes. How did that play into writing the book, and was the writing itself something that was already easy and comfortable or familiar to you because of your background as a storyteller? Um, I think the two go hand in hand, really. Um, 
because writing a book is really another way of telling a story and sharing a story with people. The difference is when you're telling a story, you have an audience there and you can see them. Um, when you've got a book, you you don't know who's reading it and if they're all right with it or not all right with it. But one of the things with stories is it's important that people remember the story and not you because, you know, it's different to acting because it's the story that's important and that you're actually giving it away generously and genuinely. And so that process has been very helpful in terms of writing the book. Yeah. So talk to me about when I love storytelling. I'm a huge fan, and oh. um, and I would love to do it someday. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up after this interview for advice. But I feel like with storytelling, so much of it is about finding your voice and your authentic voice because I think in storytelling it's so obvious when you're BSing, and you and you don't make that connection with the audience. So you have to be mm-hmm. really genuine in your telling so how did you do that in writing and do you feel like if we heard you tell a story and if we read your book would it sound like the same person or did you have a different voice when you wrote well well, people who've read it who know me say they can hear me i i Mm. did um at the beginning of this year i went on a six-week residential course was actually called your journey your voice and it's precisely what you're saying it's about finding your voice and all the things that are stopping you having your voice which you know can be all kinds of things as as basic as being a woman you know which historically a woman with a voice is not seen hasn't always gone so well for us (laughs) not really (laughs) you know women who rant out there you know we're not seen particularly kindly are we and Mm. or or even something as basic as growing up in a small house where you can't really have too much of a voice because it comes chaotic, becomes chaotic. And just really looking at all those things that stop you from having a voice in order to be able to come out with a genuine, your genuine voice, which is, um, you know, it was a real journey. It's lovely. And then, more recently, um, I won the um, Moss storytelling thing which came you to did? England. I love the moth. Wow. I know. It came to England for the first time in September and I told the first story on English soil. So I um had a bad So you were the moth. first person up at the very first moth in the UK and then you ended up winning? That's amazing. Yeah, it was it was a competition that was run through the Guardian newspaper here. And then um, the the prize was to to be the first moth person oh, outside of America. That's awesome! It was very very so, exciting. So when you uh, when you were working on your book, did you have a vision that it would be complete, or was it more about the process of writing it? Um, the first kind of six months eight months was about writing it and then there was a point at which I said right by August it will be completed and in print and that was my 
that was my goal. And, that and yeah. so let's talk about that that period when you were deciding uh, how to publish it. How, tell us how you how you published it and how you made that decision. Well, um, well, I researched masses of different agents and publishers, and and it's not particularly easy. And I got rejected by more people than. I care to remember. <laughs> I believe it's a badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your self-esteem really hangs by a thread at certain points. And, you know, it's already quite a solitary activity, writing. And somebody who is quite happy to sit on their own for hours on end writing is generally not a person who's happy to jump up and down about themselves, are they? So, um, you know, it's quite... Um, you know, a different, you have to have lots of different hats on. But then I was down in Dorset, um, just at a friend's house and doing a little writing workshop. And this woman sat next to me and she said, oh, you know, you're a writer. I think you should see my publisher who was just a mile down the road. And um, I went to see him the next day and he's just a one man band. and, And it went from there. Yeah. Wow. So, what did you? What were you? What were you looking for? What made you say yes to working with him instead of continuing the search? Um, I think he was somebody who would just let me do what I wanted to do. I knew, I knew the. I wanted the voice to remain authentic. So, and that is not necessarily a huge marketing success. And lots of publishers are obviously looking for what sells the best, you know, which is understandable. But That's I how wanted, they make their money. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. And uh, But I wanted it to remain as my voice. And he was quite happy to just let me do my own thing. So, um, so it, it just seemed, it seemed right, you know. So yeah. I just went with it. And did you work with other people uh, in the process of producing your book? Did you have an editor or uh, readers or anybody else who gave you advice along the way? Oh, there's a very lovely friend who I go horse riding with, and she is just like Mrs. Pedantic with grammar and everything. And she she kind of does it as a job, you know, writing documents. And she read it and edited it three times, I think, bless her. So um, big thanks to her. Because no matter how many times you write it and read it and read it again, which is actually quite dull when you know exactly what's coming next. (laughs) (laughs) And, yes, so she was a massive help. So let's talk about this because you, especially as someone who, uh, you know, this isn't the first thing you've written and gotten feedback, the idea of critique. So there are writer circles or there are other friends you could have shared uh, the story with and the type of feedback you got could have been, let's say, less constructive. How do you know when to share your writing and who to share it with? And how do you know, like, 
when somebody is maybe going to derail you with their feedback or how do you deal with that feedback? Yeah, that's very true. Well, you have to trust your instincts. I gave it to my son to read, who is my best critic. He's very honest, but I know he'd be very honest and also very kind. Um, And he's the person that knows me the best. Um, I also gave it to read to somebody who doesn't have children, so they would be looking at it impartially. And then my friend that did the editing, she just, you know, is very, um, you know, very businesslike. So, but you're right, it's difficult because one person's words can just completely knock you off kilter. And and that's just, you know, that's one person's opinion. It is difficult, but I mean, nobody's going to, nobody's going to, not everybody's going to agree. You know, I myself might read this two years down the line and not agree with it. Because you, people's opinions change, don't they? <laughs> right. Well, the other thing I say is I say editors edit. And so if you ask someone to review your work and give you a critique or edit it, whether it's a friend or an editor, they're going to give you feedback, which you may or may not want. <laughs> Um, yeah, people are they're trying to add value, and like you said, if somebody handed you this in three years and said edit it, you'll definitely have to. You'd be like, why would I ever say that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Cross that whole section out. Um, so I think it's just there's it's such a tender time when you're writing and when you're not confident that you are, you know, ready to be seen in the way that you need to be as an author that you can yeah. get knocked off your feet and what what advice would you would you give to someone who you know has shared their writing wherever and gotten feedback that made them think I'm not good enough to do this oh well anybody is good enough to do it because everybody has a story to tell you know no matter what everybody yeah and everybody should have the time and the right to tell their story. And and that is what general people are interested in, are people's stories, because it's very inspiring. And there is no such thing as not good enough. You know, there mm. might be people who are less, um, less inclined to, to the written word, but they'd know that anyway, wouldn't they? Yeah. Because... Generally, if you're really, really not sort of gifted in an area, then you wouldn't enjoy it. You you're know, probably like, not going to want to do it, right? If you are feeling called and a burning desire to write a book, you're writing yeah. probably perfectly fine. We, we can get you there. Because I wouldn't, I don't have a burning desire to do painting because I'm really, really awful at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, or, you know, I wouldn't have a burning desire to sit and write a physics paper because I'm really awful at that, too. So I think you just trust your gut instinct. And if you really enjoy something, it's because you're good at it. Yeah. And, you know, that that genuine love of something, even if it's not perfect, is inspiring to other people. So for so many people, especially at the beginning of their book journey, it's all about getting the story out, getting the book written. It's all about 
writing and editing and maybe even, you know, figuring out publishing and are you going to self-publish or try and find an agent. And all of that trauma feels like it's going to be over the day your book is released and magically millions of people are reading it. (laughs) And it doesn't always go exactly that way. So let's talk about what happened after your book was released and maybe some of the lessons learned about uh, how how to get the message out. Well, in the same way that I hadn't anticipated how complicated and multi-layered it would be when my son left home, I really hadn't anticipated how exhausting it would be to do all the marketing thing. You know, if I was to go around and talk to people on a one-to-one, I think I'd be absolutely fine. I've, You know, but... It's really difficult, you know, once you've gone, once you've exhausted your family and your friends, it's hard to reach a wider audience. And I would I would recommend to anybody to, to just hook up with other groups of people to give advice, you know, on Facebook and other social networks and anything. People are really, really happy to give advice and to help and support and the days you've got your head in your hands and just chucked your book in the bin. They're they're really happy to do that. And I myself have passed on different stuff to people. Um, I've approached local places and it's really, I'm still learning, very, very much still learning. So (laughs) what what is something that for you has come out of the experience of being an author since your book has happened, something that's happened in your life that you think wouldn't have happened if you didn't publish this book? I think if I'm perfectly honest, I feel like I've been brave enough to step into my true self. I'm actually um, doing what I always wanted to do and dreamt that I could do but to me it was like you know other people write books you know you run your finger along the spines of the books in the bookshop Mm. looking at names going oh no but it's other people but it's not it's everybody and it's just hard work but it's thoroughly enjoyable and I feel like actually I got to the point where I didn't have a choice whether to follow that or not because if you if you don't follow your gut instinct life becomes like a hose pipe with kinks in it and it just stops the flow and mm. actually you you can even become unwell as well with it and um, that's what I feel like I feel like I've had the courage to step into my true self that yeah. will not make me rich but <laughs> it feels better <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so powerful. And the alternative might have made you poor. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think both of them are going to make you poor, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> the writer's path. <laughs> so we've got about a minute left, and I just want to give you the opportunity to share with people who are maybe where you were before you started your book. They've gone through something, and they really want to share it with people, but maybe don't know where to start or haven't been brave enough, what advice would you give them um, about writing a book? What would you say to them? Um, The first thing you have to do is just put pen to paper and start writing. 
write about what you love, write about what you're passionate about, and you will never be short of words because um, it will just, it's like unblocking a dam. And then it's so exciting. And whether it goes anywhere or doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't matter. The point is you're following your dreams. And if you follow your dreams, you're actually making the world a much place to be in. Oh. I love that. I want to have you back every week, Glennis. This has been such an amazing conversation. I can't believe half an hour has gone. I know. It goes so fast. Glennis <laughs> Newton is the author of Home Flown, The Lay Mama's Guide to an Empty Nest. Uh, Glennis, I hope it's not the last Lay Mama's Guide. I, I think there are more books in there. I can I can hear them coming out already. Oh, thank you. Yes, I hope so. Once, uh, yes, get this one going, and I'll sit in the winter and write another one. Yes, and it sounds wonderful. (laughs) Well, we will be back next week on Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.